With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. The Killer ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank. I'm Branham. It's Joe George behind the glass, assistant to the regional manager, our our very own Queen B. Did you see what he did? He pulled a fast one. Joe what did he do? Joe pulled a fast one. Who was driving in the previous show? Was it uh, was it you or was beard. it uh, it was beer? Um, how long are the breaks normally between end of show and beginning of show? Two or three minutes. And what was today? Uh, I don't know. What was today, Joe? I don't know. Three. Uh huh. I don't think so. Why? You know, because I think that y'all went off at two fifty nine. Oh, oh, they well that, they yeah. went a little long. Yeah. You're saying? And I think that I think that Joe fixed it up in post. Mm. I'm on to you, Joe. I didn't do anything. There's not much that gets by me. Not much that gets by me. Uh, Jay Bar M's here, though, so I'm in a good mood. They're I'm happy. Good, good eats. Some banana pudding. Got some ribs. Have some turkey. I haven't even started with the sides. Uh, best barbecue in Houston. I-, I go there once a week now. That's where they have the Samson show. Right. So I go there once a week. Oh, man. Hoffy. It's so good. Yeah, Hoffy's the, Hoffy's Great the man. Dude. Hoffy's the uh, Hoffy is the man. He takes care of us. I uh, love going to uh, J-Bar-M. Thanks to them for bringing us some food today. It is delicious. Best lunch you can get. And, uh, yeah, more of a good mood because I got J-Bar-M. Uh, Joe, Josh, y'all sounded good. I had no idea who was driving the show. Uh, and then the Rockets still a victory yesterday. Rockets still a win against the New York Knicks. Tom Thibodeau was really, really mad. Controversy in this game was, was it a foul on Aaron Holiday? What do you think, Blankers? Was it a foul? I think that, I don't think it was. I think that it's interesting because you saw something similar at the end of the first half. And it took... It, uh, Ime challenging the play, and then and then them in further review first, just to see if when the foul occurred that they called, and then they reversed. They ended up reversing the call and said DiVincenzo took out his leg and everything like that. That's just one that's in the in the way in NBA basketball goes. You just let that go because you know it's basically a hope and a heave. You know that the time is running out. It just seems inevitable you're going to overtime, and and, and you call up a, a foul that no matter how many times you replay it and you look at it. I just don't think there was enough there. Granted, when your team comes out ahead, even then you feel a little guilty, which you're like, hey, Rockets got to win. They really played better last night. They played well at home. But I just you hate winning that way. 
I don't hate winning that way. I, I don't have time for feelings in sports and competition. Couldn't care less about feeling. In fact, I mock the feelings and the emotions in sports whenever it's against the other team. Uh, I thought letter of the law it was a foul. I was stunned whenever Ed Malloy, they, whenever he had the conversation with the pool reporter, uh, because he, he agrees with you. Uh, official Ed Malloy pool report after Jalen Brunson's foul on Aaron Holiday at the end of the Rockets win over Knicks. The contract, the contract, the contact which occurred after the release of the ball, therefore is incidental and marginal to the shot attempt and should not have been called. I disagree with that. I think, like, if you eliminate... Now, I'll hear you on the... It's the last play of the game. It's a it's a heave and a hope. Uh, that's a lot of... A lot of times you see officials not call that in that situation. I'll listen to that. Because that, that, you're right. That That's something that gets... Uh, that's a no call most of the time. If you just take that play, though, in a vacuum, and you eliminate the situation, you just put it, like, at the seven-minute mark of the second quarter, I think it's a foul. I still don't think they call it. Uh, I mean, he made contact with his body while Minimal. he was in the air. And, and you're supposed like, to give, but it's contact, and you're supposed to give him room to land. I was going to tell you this because that when they looked at it, he said during the replay review that he did have room to land. He he called the contact in the air. When you look at the contact, in, contact the air, in the air, it looked like Holiday turned into him once uh, he let go of the ball because the ball was already gone, and he used his body to kind of turn into him. And it was minimal at most. I don't think that they would call that in the middle of the game. I really uh, don't because of the fact that he's throwing it like a baseball, too. I mean, there's contact to the body while he's in flight. And you're supposed to, like, even give him room to come down. Like, you're not supposed to touch him at all by the time he leaves his feet until the time he comes down. And there's contact there. Now, you could you could counterpoint me with what Ed Malloy said. Ed Malloy, the official, in the, uh, in the pool report after the game, he agrees with you. He agrees with you. Um, so, but then uh, I have to ask you this yeah. on that. When he looks at that replay during the game, you can't reverse that call, right? No, right. No. And that's that's the thing that Knicks fans aren't talking about. Tom Thibodeau wasted his challenge prior to he that did. game. He that's did. why, as a coach, you better use a challenge. Like it needs to be strategic. You better be one hundred percent sure, or you better just keep it in your pocket for a late in the game situation that could influence the game. Because if Ed Malloy's telling you that it's not a foul, I disagree. But Ed Malloy's the official; he's the authority, and he's the one that said that should not have been called. If he had his challenge left and challenges the call, Ed now, Malloy, if he has the same like view of that play live and you know on the floor at the monitor as he did after the game, then it gets overturned. Yeah, so like, that's can. that's the story that Knicks fans aren't telling you today. Well, you know they're talking about how bad the officiating was. It shouldn't be called. The screw job is in. That it was fixed in Vegas because of the spread. Blah 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 blah. Well, if Tom Thibodeau kept this challenge, he could have used it in that in that spot. That's why every time Alpi spins his finger around and everybody wants to challenge a, a play in the second quarter or the third quarter, most coaches are just going to say, hey, look, we're not doing that now because you need to keep it in your back pocket. I personally don't like that. I like it where the NFL does that final two minutes of each half where they, they, they're the ones that can uh, review things. I think the main objective is to get it right. I understand during the course of the game that the team should have the ability to challenge a certain call, but I think in the final minute, if you want to just limit it for the NBA, but I think minute to two minutes, the NBA should be controlling replay review just for sake issues like this to make sure they get it right. I don't hate that. I don't hate it. I know it. it's going to take a lot more time, but I think yeah, that they should the do I... it to, to actually get the calls right because I've seen a lot of these where the coach doesn't save his challenge or in the fourth quarter, when he does need to, he challenges it, but then can't do it again. I don't. I don't hate that. And if that's something that they went to, like okay, like whatever, I could go either way. 
Um, but these are the way that it's currently ruled. And as a coach, you gotta you gotta factor that in because he he lost his challenge. He lost he his challenge did. when he took it. He took on that Jabari Smith block charge, and he was wrong. So he wasted the challenge. Now uh, the <laughs> the text line he says uh, no rules in the street fight is a win is a win, and that's how I feel about things. I call bounty gate on quarterbacks that you're about to play in the playoffs. So we know that I have that feel. Um, I I did get a kick though out of some of the reaction of New York Knicks fans, uh, especially one in particular. Let's call this guy, <laughs> let's call him Egg Jasmine. I, I think it was from Egg Jasmine, who is a, he, he's a New York fan. Now, I disagreed with him at the time. Now, Ed Malloy would have, uh, he, he kind of changes this conversation a little bit. Uh, but Egg Jasmine on the Twitter, absolute horse poop emoji in Houston by the officiating. How are the refs this terrible? Uh, this is one of the worst calls in the history of basketball. Oh, come on. Is this one of the worst calls in the history of basketball? 713-780-3776. A New York Knicks fan by the name of Ake Jasmine thinks that it was. I can't believe this actually happened. Hashtag Knicks got robbed. Uh, someone hopped in his comments and gave him the Billy Crystal, like, you know, Kleenex gif, where it's like you cry a little mm-hmm. bit. And uh, Ake Jasmine responded, if, if that happened to the Rockets, you would be bad word you know it was horse crap stick your billy crystal gif great movie by the way up your bad word that was egg jasmine if this would have happened to the rockets would we have been devastated in the city of houston i don't think devastated at all i think that you know you might have you obviously you're gonna have people that might be upset but i think more times than not the savvy basketball fan goes yeah i mean if it goes against you it sucks but you also realize it's out of your control. It's just it's one of those deals that it, it's the referees. And the thing is, you want the referees to call it by the book. Some people think that's the only way to call it. Other people understand that there's a way the referees call the final five seconds different sure. than the rest of the game. That's that's where I was at last night because I again I thought it was I thought it was the right call. Ed Malloy's response to the pool report kind of you know taints that argument. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but I can totally see that going, like, not eating your whistle, not making the call in that moment. I don't think I'd be that upset about it, though, if I was uh, on the other side of it. Because the, the Rockets aren't really where the Knicks are, though. Knicks are, I mean, the Knicks are chasing in the Eastern Conference. They are. Rockets are not. They're, they got a chance to be a legit top-four team. They, yeah. they made some moves at the deadline to get better. They were missing, I think, three or four starters last night. And then it looked like late in the game that um, DiVincenzo got hurt. And he's playing a lot more minutes, but he's shooting the lights out from three. But the Knicks are a legit team. And so I understand that every win matters, but we're still just to the all-star break. There's plenty of games to be played to sort all this out. Yeah, but the all-star break comes like <clears throat> in game the 54 point. of the year. It's ridiculous how late the all-star. This isn't like the, obviously it's not the midway point. This is like, this is the break before the final stretch mm-hmm. is what it really is. I don't really like having That's why the all-star I referred break to it as the like, all-star break. Because yeah, everybody always goes the midway point. It's not. Not even close. But at the same time, <laughs> you still have enough games that, you can you have enough time to sort it out and get to where you need to go. And right now the Knicks are, you know, I, I thought they were overachieving before they made the deals, and Brunson's playing his tail off. And, and I've had some people say, eh, Brunson's really not a legit. I think Paul was Paul even said this morning, Brunson's not, you know, like a legit superstar or something. I'm like, Brunson's a real deal now. Now he's been doing this ever since he was in Dallas when Luca would go down. Brunson's playing his tail off. He deserves to be an all-star. Yeah, definitely an all-star. But in terms of superstar, where you, to me, a superstar is you're the best player on a team that is capable of winning a championship. I don't think the Knicks are capable of winning a championship. So I agree with Paul on that. I, I don't, and again, I have a higher quality or standard, it seems like, for a superstar. I think a superstar has to be a guy when you're the best player on the team that you're capable and a contender to win it all. The, the, the Knicks aren't a contender. They're not, they're not capable of winning it all, in my opinion. 
See, Julius Randle's the one that bothers me because I don't think Julius Randle, I think he's, he's just sucking the life out of them financially because he, he has a whole lot of – me not – he's all about himself and not the team, and, he, and now he's hurt. But I think that that's what's keeping him down. I, I think Rick Brun- – I mean, uh, not Rick Brunson, Jalen Brunson is – he's a winner. I think that he continues to get better. And with the right running mate, that team is is really good. I think that team could legitimately get to the Eastern Conference Finals, but I don't think that they're capable of winning a title. I don't think that Jalen Brunson can be on a basketball team as the best player, and they're gonna they're they're an NBA contender. I really don't like. I think that with the right running mate, if it's like Luka Doncic or if it's LeBron James, I think it's, or I was thinking more Creek. of like a wing or a big. Yeah, I see. I don't. I don't think with. unless there's somebody better than Brunson. If Brunson's your best player, I don't think you're a legit NBA contender. I, I would. I think that's fair. I think because of the fact that, but the more he gets the ability and the opportunity, like last night, the, the bucket that he made to tie the ball game was a tough, tough contested shot where he got his own shot and knocked it down in clutch time. And that's how I start rating superstar type players, players that can take over a game. You're right in the fact that because he plays the point guard position too that I don't know that he could be the number one guy on a team, team that wins a championship, but he certainly could be a 1B that gets you buckets, that do, you know that does a lot to help your team win. That's where I'm at. Like I, I like him as the player. I just think you're, you're lacking talent if he's your best player. Uh, Joe's going to chime in here in the final 30 seconds of the segment after he munched on those ribs. Yeah, I had to. I couldn't eat in the last three hours. <laughs> uh, I'm very biased. Uh, I love Jalen Brunson. I've watched him play basketball since he was a sophomore in high school. Where'd he go? Uh, he went to, uh, it was a, did he go to Simeon? No, he played against Simeon though. Quite Simeon's, a Simeon's the only Chicago high school. Simeon's I know. where Jabari Parker went. All the, uh, they all wear number. Was King Kevin Garnett? Yes. What number do they wear at Simeon? Eight? I think, uh, no, 23? they wear 23. 23. Uh, for Benji. For, yeah. Um, I, I just, I, I think he can be like right below the superstar tier. Yeah, I'm with you. Like he can be, I think he could be the second best player and at nights be the best player, but he's won everywhere he's gone. Like he won in high school, he won in college, he's winning in the NBA. I just don't think he can be like the guy. Mm-mm. At the same time, I think the East is weak this year, and it wouldn't shock me if the Knicks came out of it. Even if they come out of it, they're not a contender win at that, all. Yeah, see, I think fair. Boston is, <laughs> Boston is super strong. Milwaukee's starting to play defense, but and Philly's decent. Embiid obviously rests on that, but that's why I said I think New York could get to an Eastern Conference Finals. But that I think that's the, I think that's the ceiling for that. I think he's an All Star, not a superstar, and that's a really it's really good. You're gonna make a lot of money as he obviously does make a lot of money. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN, the HRMP listener line. Busy show. We are out early today. We're gonna leave it to five thirty because we want to. No, it's because A and M's playing basketball today. They're on the road in Nashville, taking on Vanderbilt. It's a game that they gotta win. You know, they're mm. they're safely in the tournament right now, but they can't afford any uh, hiccups. They came off that big win against Tennessee. Uh, they need to keep that rolling on the road. So we're off thirty minutes early, but we have. A a jam-packed three-hour show in two and a half hours. Uh, we'll cash them or trash them as we always do on a Tuesday. Uh, we're going to get $20 million to spend on a free agent, which should be fun. Uh, but whenever we come back, what has been your assessment of Amin Thompson in the starts since the Fred Van Vliet injury? And also, Ime Adoka talking about the youth movement for the Houston Rockets. So who's lying? Ime or all these national media types? 713-780-3776. We're on the Twitch. Twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. He's at Pac-Man Joel on Twitter. He's at Joe George Radio on Twitter. I'm at Jeremy Branham. We are the Killer Beasts on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, right now I'll tell you about the newest golf simulators inside X-Golf. X-Golf, its only location in Katy, I-10 and 99 
It is absolutely fantastic. If you are a golfer and you are a diehard, you don't need to wait for the next rainstorm to check out the greatest way for you to get on a golf simulator, have some fun, play over 50 different golf courses, and fine-tune your game in the process. I mean, everything about these simulators can judge the speed, the distance, the spin, and the accuracy of your golf shots. You can play with your own golf balls if you want to get even more feel. And the thing that I really love about it, unlike some of the other simulators, the putting is legit. When you practice your chipping, it measures the distance and everything about it so you can hone in on your game. And it's a sports bar, too. 20 TVs throughout the place. I mean, it's perfect for birthday parties, happy hours, and corporate events. They also have leagues, tournaments, and a whole lot more. Drink and cocktail menu that rivals the best bars in town. You can even get golf lessons and club fittings if you're interested. It's family-friendly, and it's not just for golf. But if you're a golfer, check it out, because once you go once, you're going to want to go back again. They are absolutely fantastic, and Chris and his staff take good care of you. Check out X-Golf in Katy today. Global music superstar Usher presents Past, Present, Future. Usher. Live at Toyota Center, November 27th. Get tickets this Friday at 10 a.m. at toyotacenter.com. The brand new album, Coming Home, is available everywhere now. Usher, live in Houston. For more, visit usherworld.com. It's time to sit back, relax, and enjoy this next bit of brilliance with Joel and Jeremy. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's the Killer Bees. Look at Usher capitalizing off his Super Bowl performance. Doing ads with ESPN 97.5. That's how you know you've made it in life. Uh, cool for Usher. I'm going to go to that. I'm going to go watch that. Only because I saw Usher in the Super Bowl, though. I wouldn't have went unless I saw Usher at the Super Bowl. Now that I saw Usher at the Super Bowl, I'm going. I'm going. Will you guys go? He wants to go with you? No, definitely okay, not. Good. I want to make. But sure are y'all going to go? I'm not going to see Usher. I'm a great time. Who would you rather hang out with, Blinkers or Branham? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Amin Thompson yesterday, thirty eight minutes, didn't shoot the ball much, which I think is a good thing. Uh, four for five from the floor. He had eight points, thirteen rebounds, five assists, five steals. He had a highlight reel behind the head pass. Kind of reminded me of a little Yao Ming type of stuff. Hillman, uh, Amin, and Alpi. Have, they're on the same wavelength. I think it's high basketball IQ wavelength. Uh, I'm really liking what I'm seeing from Amin Thompson. What has been your assessment of Amin since the uh, the injury to Fred Van Vliet? Uh, even before the injury to Fred Van Vliet, when we do our, our ratings, I've, I've been thinking about moving him up. I love what this kid brings to the table, and I don't need him to be a superstar per se by a lot of people's standards of you got to score so many points. This kid, and it's not a slap in the face, as some people would think. Of. He's got all of Ben Simmons' talents, but I think he can be better where Ben Simmons lacks and will never get better, and that's shooting the basketball. His ability to rebound, especially on the offensive end, to me, is elite because of how long he is. But when you watch his court vision and you see the ability to rebound and his ability to pass and then his ability to affect 50-50 balls and really get in the passing lanes and finish, I think this kid, the sky's the limit in terms of what he can be for this team. I love watching him play. This is what we were talking about. And, of course, it comes on a night last night when Holiday had a, a, a good game. But, you know, that's why I would have tried to see if there was a veteran team that was in need of a backup point guard that would have needed Holiday. Because when Fred Van Vliet comes back, I don't want Amin Thompson having any less minutes. I actually want him to have more because this is the kind of things that you love to see. He needs seasoning. they got to learn how to finish games. There's some times he turns the ball over late in the backcourt. 
But over overall, I could not be more pleased with the development of Amin Thompson in year one. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of Amin Thompson's game. Um, other than the three point shooting, that's ugly. It's abysmal. Under sixteen percent on the year. Uh, I agree with you that it can improve. Well, I mean, I think it's rock his bottom. mechanics at least don't look like Ben Simmons. Or it like looks some, pretty ugly though. I don't think it's like broken. he's airballing threes. But I'm saying elbow in. You know, he's got the structure, and it. it's just I think some people just can't develop touch. Yeah, I'm a little worried that he might be that guy that doesn't develop the touch. But everything else I love about his game. Um, I remember at the beginning of the year that I think we get to one point this year where we look at a Min Thompson and we're saying we want to give a Min Thompson more minutes, and it comes at the expense of Fred Van Vliet. I think it's difficult to do because you're paying him a lot of money. He's still under contract for next year, and then you have the team option for that third year. Uh, we also said the same thing about uh, Dylan Brooks, Cam Whitmore, that at some point this year we're going to be clamoring for more Cam Whitmore mo- uh, minutes, and then it has to come at the expense of, uh, of Dylan Brooks. That's tough to do because you gave him big money for, for long term, four years uh, for Dylan Brooks. So I, I like the game of a Min Thompson. I like what I've seen. I agree that when Fred Van Vliet does come back, I don't want it to cut into his minutes. Uh, I like everything about his game except for his three-point shooting. And you're right, his rebounding is elite. Like He can give you double-digit rebounds and has given you double-digit rebounds. In in four starts since the Fred Van Vliet injury, he's averaged 10 points, 11.5 rebounds. He's your point guard averaging 11.5 rebounds. It's insane. It it really is. And, And when you think about how small this team is other than Alpi, and the fact that they're they're constantly trying to find tweeners to fill minutes if Alpi gets in foul trouble or he doesn't play, and because Jock Londale, I think thankfully in a lot of ways, isn't any part of this rotation, he's a guy that helps you kind of make up some of the rebounds you lose with a lack of of big depths at, at the, the big spots because of how great he rebounds the ball. And I watch him continually go up in traffic and just extend higher than anybody else, including guys taller than him, and bring down the ball. And, and the fact that you have so many guys that in transition can handle the basketball, especially Jabari when he needs to, it allows this team to play faster, which they absolutely have to do with their lack of size. I think you can get away with one bad three-point shooter in your backcourt. I don't think you can get away with two because it really changes what defenses are going to do to you. And I think that's the problem with kind of an Amin Jalen Green backcourt. Super athletic. They're long. I think Jalen Green's playing high-level defense. I think Amin Thompson does play good defense. The fact that both of them are bad three-point shooters makes it very difficult for them to be on the floor for long periods together. Well, you look at what Russell Westbrook and the defense is normally because Russ had to prove that at least the mid-range was a shot that he could knock down. Because yep. otherwise, defenses are just going to sag into the middle and go, dare you, go ahead, because you're doing us a favor every time you pull a three. And so I don't know if all the practice in the world I've, saw, I've seen – um, Lonzo Ball and, and LaMelo Ball get better at three-point shooting in the offseason trying to, but theirs was mechanical as much as anything else. I don't think that there's a whole lot wrong in terms of the fundamentals of his shot. I just don't know if it's going to get any better from three, but it, he has to at least prove that he can knock down that mid-range yeah. elbow-type jump shot or defenses are just going to slack off of it. That's what Russ was great at, was he would just get to the elbow. Mm-hmm. Or, or if you gave him a lot of space, he would get a running start and just beat you off the dribble. Yeah, it's like, okay, was, if you're going to sag off on me by five, seven feet, I'm going to get a running start and blow by you to the rim. Beast athletically strength and jumping ability to get to the basket. The other thing that he really developed was, and a guys with touch should do this more, playing the glass on the wings. Because he developed a bank shot on the wing that mm-hmm. allowed him to knock down that 15-footer so it's not straight on him in the rim. 
And, and that's how he got a, a lot of his points when defenses were always challenging him, going, if you want the three, take it. And then later in the career, his ego said, yep. if they're giving it to me, I got to take it. No, you really don't. See, Russ's problem wasn't that he shot the three poorly. Russ's problem was that he continued to shoot the exactly. three. Stubbornly, it continued to shoot the three. Just, just attack. Just okay. get to the elbow. Knock down think, a midi. I might didn't take any last night. Like I like that. Yeah, Jalen took quite a bit though. Yeah, <laughs> struggled. Jalen struggled from three last night. But that's where, like, I I think Amen Thompson and Cam, I feel so much better about their future as Rockets because they have Ime. Like, they they don't have Silas. I I don't oh, know. Sure. I wonder. I I feel like Silas broke some of these guys and, and let them get away with too much and too bad of habits that it's hard to reverse course. Where like with Cam and like the comparisons with Jalen, where it doesn't pass, uh-huh. just chucks the ball. I mean, Cam up in still the air. is a chucker. He really he is. is. But I think that at least with Ime, I have more confidence just because of who the coach is and the staff is mm-hmm. that they can coach that out of him. I, I think it's more of the hard clay versus the soft clay. Yeah, like I think for I sure. think Silas did condition like a Jalen Green in this example in a negative way. I think Jalen Green has completely transformed his game, though. Like I, I see a completely different Jalen Green now. I don't think he's score. I mean, he's not scoring at the level he did last year, but there hadn't been as many possessions. Like the last month or so, Jalen Green's who I want Jalen Green to be. Now the shooting has to get better yeah, I, for I him think, to take the next step. Joe, it, it, as it relates to Cam, the one thing that I think why he's coachable too is because when he got sent down to the G League, he learned a lesson, and he came back and he was more ready to play NBA basketball. As it relates to Jalen, the one thing I kept thinking about last night when he was missing the threes, was at least have the confidence to take the next one because that's what they want you to do. And you can't worry about what anybody says. You can't worry about if it's one of those nights. But there's going to be a time when they need you to knock down a big one or one when you're open again. And you just have to you have to kind of put those mental blockers out of your mind and just say, yeah, the first three haven't gone, but I, I believe I'm making the fourth. Yeah, I don't think he's a good enough shooter to have that rule, though. Uh, but, that, but but if you listen to Adoka, that's what he wants him to do. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with Adoka there. Like uh, Jalen Green's not a good enough shooter where you're like, hey, shoot it, shoot ten threes a game. Like, but it, but if they're open, right? Like if the screen comes and he he's wide open at the top of the key and they kick the ball to him, uh-huh. he has to take that shot. I uh, I used to put a three miss uh, on Russell Westbrook. You get three three point misses a game, and then you're not allowed to shoot another three. That, I I did that to Russell Westbrook. They never listened to me. I don't know why they didn't listen to me. It was a great idea. They should listen to me. I want to put that on Jalen Green. Jalen Green's allowed. I don't know if three is the number, though. I think I'm willing to go to like four or five. I'll go up to five. I'll round up. He missed his first three or four six. I know, but (laughs) but I'm saying I saw him pull the fourth one, and I thought he might be apprehensive when he missed his first three. I think I'm at a four. I'm at four. You get four three-point misses, and you're not allowed to take another three-pointer all game. And for for a man, it's one. One three-pointer, a man. You get one miss, and then you're done. The one one thing with Jalen to me is the open three, Right. Because I think that he can make the open three. I think shot selection plays a lot into it. I don't know. Where there was a couple where he got a high screen to pull a three last night, and there was a defender on either side of the pick coming at him, and he still pulled it. And I'm like, well, that's how your shooting percentage goes down, and that's not a surefire bet that, to, that you got a good chance to make that shot. Like, if the ball swings and you get a wide open look, that's the one I think he's got to take. I need to... Uh... I need to figure out how to use these advanced numbers on these NBA guys. I would love to know what Jalen Green shoots off the dribble from three and spot up from three. I think he might be better off the dribble, which is bizarre. It's weird. It's a sign that he's not a good shooter because good shooters are never better off the dribble than they are catch and shoot. But Jalen might be that guy. The big thing with Jalen to me, though, where he is elite is just I think when he goes to the basket, his ability to hang in the air, his ability to change the shot in the air, and he's getting even better touch like around the basket playing the backboard. He finishes, and and I think that's what you've seen with Amen Thompson, yeah, too. you got some finishers around the cup to where 
a lot of times he should use a head and shoulder fake. And if they're coming out to contest the three still, just put it on the floor, split the defense if you have to, but get get past those that first line of defenders. And the defense is in trouble because even if a big contest, he has a way to get to the rim. That's where I've seen him improve quite a bit this year. Because like early in the year, I don't think he was finishing well at the rim at all. But like the last month or so, he's finishing at the rim. And he's got good, really good body control in the air. Yeah, yeah. That's where I think he's made those strides. 713-780-ESPN-HRMP. Listener line 713-780-3776. We've seen the 2023 NFL season. We 2024 offseason begins in the next couple of weeks. We're going to start to see roster moves in the next couple of weeks. Are we ready to call the Texans? Are you ready to call the Texans a top five team going into next year? 713-780-ESPN, HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. Killer Reese, ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. I'm ready to call Gentle Ben the number one spirit in the country. Not even the state, in the country. I like a good drink at the end of the day. Vodka, gin, bourbon, they're all in that rotation for me. And Gentle Ben Spirits does it better than anybody else. How? They're revolutionary Perseido technology that eliminates impurities for the cleanest, smoothest spirits you will ever taste. Purification of Gentle Ben is unrivaled. You'll love what's not in it, including undesirable acids. These acids take the enjoyment out of your drinks. Well, Gentle Ben gets rid of the undesirable acids so you can enjoy. Try a sip of Gentle Ben vodka, gin, straight bourbon, cast strength bourbon. Compare it to what you drink, you will never go back. I've been a Gentle Ben man ever since I had that first sip because you get all the flavor, none of the burn. It is smooth. It is clean. Eliminates that burn. Enjoy your drink. Don't work through your drink. Look for Gentle Ben at the liquor store. Ask for it at your favorite restaurant or bar. Head to the Gentle Ben tasting room. Stop by Ben's Bar. The Toyota Center, Minute Maid Park, baseball season's around the corner. Ben's Bar there as well. Or just head to GentleBen.com to learn more about your new favorite. You can also order straight from the website, the website, the bourbon, the whiskey, the gin, the vodka. Order it all at GentleBen.com. Head there now, GentleBen.com. GentleBen, period. You're back where you belong, in the Veritex Community Bank Studios with the killer bees who won't sting you unless provoked. Here's Joel and Jeremy. J-Bar-M brought us lunch, uh, perks of doing radio, especially J-Bar-M, best barbecue in the city. It's time to take tra- It's time to do a, take a trip down to the one and only J-Bar-M barbecue, situated right in the heart of East Downtown. Uh, J-Bar-M barbecue is where flavor meets tradition. Every bite, you'll taste the passion and dedication that goes in their slow-smoked meats. At J-Bar-M barbecue, all about keeping it classic, the ribs, turkey, they spend a, a good five to six hours in the smoker, that's what they brought over today. It soaks up all that smoky goodness. We can attest to that. Speaking of goodness, let's talk about their menu. From finger-licking ribs to the succulent smoked turkey we had, J-Bar and Barbecue has got it all. But there's more. Their sides will knock your boots off, like their Cajun barbecue rice, cauliflower, all gratin, green beans with bacon, chato beans. And folks, don't even get me started on dessert. They brought over some of those cinnamon rolls today and then the uh, the banana pudding. Uh, J-Bar and Barbecue knows how to satisfy your sweet tooth with that banana pudding and with those Texas-sized cinnamon rolls. So if you're in the mood for some authentic Texas barbecue that'll make your taste buds sing, mosey on to J-Bar and Barbecue in Edo, East Downtown, a top 50 barbecue spot in Texas, according to Texas Monthly. Uh, it's fantastic. I go there once a week. Best barbecue in the city. Uh, what was that hot take that you had, Joe, during the break that I said was an awful take? If the sides aren't good, the barbecue's not good. You said the sides were more important than the meat, I thought. No, I said, yeah, I mean, I guess that's what I said. But what yeah, I mean is that awful take. you can tell a barbecue place is going to be good 
based on their sides alone. There's nothing I've had at J Bar M that doesn't taste good. Facts. Like the the Hoffy uh, Hoffy this... will Hoffy forces me to bring my wife dinner during the Samson show. She'll, Hoffy will hand make a salad for my wife. That's delicious. And you wouldn't think salad at a barbecue place, but it's delicious. The brisket, the uh, this cauliflower jalapeno sausage, is delicious. It's incredible. There, so everything is good at, at J Bar M. I'm not trying to put the meat ahead of the sides, the side ahead of the meats. We're talking just strictly barbecue. Saying that the sides are more important than the meats is the worst take you've ever had. No, no, I'm, I'm not saying it's more important. I'm saying that it tells you how good the place is going to be. Mm, your first bite of your side, if it's not good, most of the times I feel like the meat's not as a, it's not JBRM good. I've had Franklin's in Austin. Their sides are mediocre. They're widely considered to have the best brisket. The Texas year and year out with their briskets, the truth. I love corkscrew in spring too. Whenever I'm staying local and I don't want to go to you know downtown to JBRM, the best barbecue in the city, their sides are eh. They're all right. They're eh. But their meats are fantastic. I could not care, la- care less about a barbecue place's sides. I love sides. Yeah, yeah but I think they're not important than the meat. I, I think that you, you, when when a barbecue place has the attention to detail to care about their sides as well as their meat, that's one thing. But obviously, everybody's going there for the meat. It's barbecue. It's about I the just, smoked meat. I said you can normally, I think you can normally tell. All right. Somebody, uh, <laughs> who would you rather hang out with, Blankers or Branham? Uh, Junior Broncos said Blankers 100%. Someone texted and said Barry. That's <laughs> uh, a good put down. I appreciate that. I tip my cap to that one. That's a good one. Um, are you ready to call the Texans a top five team going into next year? I'm not. I'm not ready to call them top five next season simply because of the factors that weigh in when you think of a team like Cincinnati that's going to be healthy, like a team like Philadelphia, which I, I still think there's there's just too much talent there for the way they underachieved. Uh, I think that it's you'll be inter- I'm interested to see what the Chargers can do with Harbaugh, but I, the main thing for me is the Texans' schedule is going to be a gauntlet. It is going to be a bear for them, and so next season might be too soon to say top five. I think they're on the cusp of it, and I think it, there's going to be a time it, very very shortly that they might be able that they'll be in that conversation. I just don't think it's next season. See, I'm torn on this. The athletic the athletic has them there. The, the athletic has them number 5 in their early NFL power rankings. They have KC 1, San Fran 2, they have Detroit number 3, Baltimore 4. I wouldn't have Detroit ahead of Baltimore. I think that's disrespectful to Baltimore. And then they have the Texans 5. They have the mm-hmm. Texans ahead of the Packers at 6, Buffalo at 7, Cleveland at 8, Miami at 9 and Cincinnati at 10. I know the schedule is going to be really really tough. But on the other hand, like I don't think I'm gonna doubt CJ Stroud. Like I could see I could see both things happening. I could see the Texans having this really difficult schedule, but they they win ten games and win the AFC South again and then maybe win another playoff game, maybe go even a, a game deeper. I could see them being the sixteen Astros. Fifteen Astros made the playoffs, they got a little fat and happy, didn't make the playoffs the next year, and then they added a few veterans, all of a sudden, boom, they're World Series champions. So I could see them having that little like, you know, little bit of regression, but then it takes them off in the future. But at the same time, I don't want to doubt CJ Stroud. Whenever a top five to me is too high in this texture here, a top five in the NFL or AFC, NFL no, AFC yes with the right offseason moves. We're talking strictly the, the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you look at the other teams that they have below them, like I would have Houston ahead of Green Bay. I'm not a Josh yeah, Allen so. believer. Like most people would have Buffalo ahead of the Texans, but I believe more in Stroud than I do in Josh Allen. They beat Cleveland. I know, I know they're getting Deshaun Watson back, but I don't really care about Deshaun Watson. I don't trust Tua in Miami. And then eh, like Cincy with Burrow coming back and the rumors are that they're going to franchise tag T Higgins. I don't know if I could have them ahead of Cincinnati, but at the same time, Stroud went into Cincinnati with Burrow was still playing and beat him on the road in his rookie year. 
So I'm torn. I'm torn on what to expect next year for the Texans because on one hand, you do have the unbelievable difficult schedule, and on the other hand, you have C.J. Stroud, year two, D'Amico, year two, Nico's back, Tank is back, You know, an offensive line that you fingers crossed is going to stay healthy, and then you're adding. You're adding to the team as well. I just look at both conferences and I say I think there's three teams that are ahead of the Texans right now going into next season on both sides, and I think that when you look at what the AFC has – Cincinnati wasn't a factor. The Chargers weren't a factor. And we knew that the Chargers had talent on both sides of the football. So whether they're in the discussion or not, the fact that you have Baltimore, you have the Super Bowl champs in, in, in the Chiefs, uh, and then you can go a variety of different ways depending on which direction you want to go. I don't. I, the Cleveland, to me, is disrespectful to have them in the list, on the list. I, I think Cleveland overachieved their tails off. Mm, their defense is legit. Their defense is legit. But I think and they're overall, getting Chubb back. But I think that they're going to. I don't think that Flacco's going to be the answer for a full season. I don't think. Desha- well, I don't they, believe in Deshaun Watson. You know, I don't know what when Chubb is going to be back. But even when he's back, when is he going to be the old Nick Chubb? That's a question that remains to be answered. I think Amari Cooper is good. Uh, I don't know that he has a lot of help, and I don't believe in their weapons. Uh, and Joko's good, right? But I, I just Cleveland. Those to, are two pretty good weapons. But Cleveland, to me, yeah, Deshaun's got to get him the football. And I think Deshaun still has yet to prove to me that he's going to be anywhere close to where he was prior to all the stuff that started happening here and the time that he's missed from football. But I think when you look at the – I think Philadelphia is going to be better. I don't know what Dallas is going to be. I think Detroit is a team that's still going to be reckoned with. And then you've got San Francisco, obviously, on the top of that that pack. Um, And then there's there's just a lot of – there's a bunched up – amount of teams in the AFC that have a ton of talent and you didn't beat Baltimore last year and and the Chiefs are the Super Bowl champs so it's not disrespectful to say they're not in the top five but I think they're right on the cusp I think they're very very close but I believe this offseason is going to be huge for them too in terms of how they upgrade the roster so you said there's three in each conference who are those three I think right now in the in the NFC I would put I would put Detroit Philadelphia and the Niners okay and I think in the AFC I would go Baltimore Kansas City and Buffalo yeah, I I hesitate with Buffalo, but even if you take Buffalo out, it's still it, that would be they would sit, Texans would sit sixth. Yeah, I see the Detroit to me is an interesting one. What about Cincinnati? They, I, I don't. They're a wild card. I have to give the Texans the the Trump there. Like I have to give them the Trump card. They went into Cincinnati and won. And, yeah, and Stroud's no, rookie I think, year. I think that's a fair counter. I still because of the injury at the beginning of the season. Don't think Joe Burrow was still playing his absolute best football okay. last year. But do we think Stroud as a rookie was playing his best football? No. He wasn't definitely well, the first time they played Baltimore. That was probably pretty close to his peak, wasn't it? I mean, for this year. Yeah, for this year. I mean, he yeah. had a really good game. Yeah. Yeah, he did. I would. I would, I still have Cincinnati in front a little bit just because I still believe Joe Burrow is very clearly the second best quarterback in the NFL. Um, so I would still, but like right Fair. there, Texans are 6-7. Yeah, see, I think they're in that conversation. I don't, they're not top tier because like Kansas City to me is top tier. I think San Francisco is top tier. Mm-hmm. They they were one of twenty different plays away from being the Super Bowl champions. Yet we're acting like San Francisco's chop liver. Detroit, I have my reservations about Detroit. I have some reservations about Philadelphia. Like to me, there's a two team top tier, and then you have all the other teams. I might even throw Baltimore into my top tier. Like Kansas City, San Fran, maybe Baltimore. Although Kansas City beat up on them pretty good, and then I had that second wave of teams where I think you can throw Cincinnati. I think you can throw. Buffalo. I I hesitate to throw Miami there. Uh, I think you throw Detroit there. I think you throw Philadelphia there. And maybe you do throw the Texans there. So, like, maybe they are in contention for the fifth spot. It's crazy, though, how much things change in 365 days. Because this Mm -hmm. February 13, 2023, they're dead last. They're dead last. And we're thinking about, you know, trying to see 
if their receiver the receivers are going to be in the top the bottom two in this league and hoping you know trying to figure out how many wins a handful of wins or around there how many wins are they going to get just to kind of take the step forward and now look at the, where they've come and, and it all starts with obviously CJ and then D'Amico and everything that they that that he did but like I said the thing that really worries me is the schedule because that first place schedule next year you you had a cupcake schedule last year it's the exact opposite this coming year and I think you're going to be challenged by a lot of really good football teams to have a really good barometer of where you actually sit the um Ocho says, I think you nailed it. Could go either way. They won't have the benefit of a top five week of strength of schedule, but they could still be good enough to overcome it. That's where the offseason matters. Like, if you have, if Nick Casario hits a home run in the offseason and adds to this football team, do we really care that the schedule is really tough? Or do you just have a football team that can overcome it? I think they have the potential to do that with the quarterback that I, I believe say, in. And then having a good offseason. It all starts with CJ. I mean, if yeah. CJ's a, the, if CJ showed you no reason not to believe that he can keep you in any game mm-hmm. and that he can make the plays and he can carry a team offensively. So no matter who you add and the weapons you add and what you do, you know you got a quarterback that can keep you in the game. It's just from a defensive perspective especially, can you stop or try to contain another elite offense that you're going to face? We saw what happens when you get Mahomes or you get the running game of the Ravens and you get some of the teams that that, that, that the Texans faced where they had troubles where you know you have to upgrade. And and that's why this offseason is so vitally important. King of Twitch says that Stroud can't spell potential yet. D- delete your account, King of Twitch. We're not going to read that kind of stuff on the air. That's why the YouTube's better. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. 4403 Philly would be top of the NF- uh, NFC with actual contenders. I think their roster's there. I don't believe in Nick Sirianni. I think he's the biggest jabroni in the NFL. And I don't think he's capable without really good coordinators. And I know they hired a couple of uh, getting back there. I almost feel like he's toxic. This is this is such a critical year for him. The thing that's interesting to me is he went and he hired, like, legit, yeah. super strong coordinators this time around. Fangio and Moore. But with Moore, I'm interested to see if he does what really was, what Steichen was very successful with, was kind of catering to the strengths of, of, of his quarterback, as opposed to, him being pass happy like he was in Dallas. And that's going to be intriguing to me. 713-780-ESPN, HRMP listener line. Do you have the Texans top five going in uh, to the next year? Also, now that football is over, football's done. Football's done for the year. We have to wait until after the summer for football to be back. What are the top five things to do now that football is over? 713-780-ESPN, HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. It's time to sit back, relax, and enjoy this next bit of brilliance with Joel and Jeremy. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's the Killer Bees. He's blank. I'm Branham. What are the top five things to do now that football is over? We'll get to that in just a moment. 713-780-ESPN. I saw Brenda in the uh, production room. Pull, pull, the cord, uh, pull, pull the curtain back. Uh, Brenda's the sales rep for J-Bar-M. I bet you she was yelling at you for that awful barbecue take that you had. How dare you no, say no, that no. on the radio on the day that J-Bar-M brings us this fine smoked meat. Their sides are elite. They are. They are elite. I'm saying sides are important. They have potato salad. Second tier, they do have potato salad. No. Yeah, they do. What I kind of potato salad based. do you guys like? Mayo. I don't. I like I mustard. I, I prefer the mustard too. Prefer mustard. The Twitchers are currently having a draft of all the best barbecue side dishes in honor of you. I mean, twi- we're, we're going to miss the Twitchers. Twitchers are funny. <laughs> they're hilarious to me. I mean, they're they're funny because they they can work on their act. 
because they're not working. Uh, 713-780-3776. Brainstorm, top things to do now that football is over. But first, let's go out to the HRMP listener line. Uh, Big C, you're in the hive with the bees. What's up? What's going on, Jeremy? I called to correct you. Oh, yes. I cannot wait for this. Football is not over. Drill them hard, baby. Let's go roughneck. Oh, boy. You couldn't wait for that. I'm sorry, Big C. I don't care about minor league football. They're also not the Roughnecks, Big C. I thought they, no, they kept yeah, the Roughnecks they kept name. The name. Yeah, they just moved to Rice State, but they kept the name. Oh, did they? Yeah. yeah. There's another bad take for Joe. You really knocked <laughs> oh, out of the park right. in the first hour of the show. Right. They said they were not keeping the Roughnecks. They were keeping the Gamblers. Originally, I think that is correct. And then correct. they changed it to the Roughnecks. Yeah, I got a, I got a buddy who coaches in the in the XF, whatever they're calling it nowadays. UFL, right? It's not a bad take. I'm just sure. Yeah. It's actually incorrect take. Is it the UFL or UFL? I think I said the same thing. Now you got a bad take. I was, I was like, that was wasn't a bad take. It was just a typo. I was like, wait, like, what just happened coming out of Jeremy's mouth? I don't care about minor league football. I'm sorry. I love San Antonio's it. got a team, right? The Brahmas. Brahmas. That's Wade. Yes, that's where I, that's where my buddy coaches. Is that right? But um, like, look, I love it for those that love it. I love it for those that like to watch it. And maybe I'll turn it on if I have nothing to do. I could not care less, quite frankly, about any minor league sport. If it was connected to the NFL, I would feel different. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Triple A. And I like going to Sugarland Space Cowboy Me games. Too. I'll certainly listen to them on the radio, whatever they're on. Wherever. Whoever's carrying them, I'll listen to them when they're on the radio. I don't I don't care about minor league sports. I, I don't. Like, it's cool to go to a game every now and then, but I'm not going to make it part of my plans. I think it's not going to be something that makes I, an appointment setting for me. Not going to watch it on TV. I don't care about minor league sports. I, see, and I've said this about the UFL or what, even when it was two separate leagues. The way that it makes sense in, to make it work in football is similar to my feeling about it in baseball or even if I was in a city that had – or if I was like for a Rockets fan to watch the Rio Grande Vipers. If I see that there's talent on that team that could possibly help my favorite team and be called up someday, I'll, I'll have more interest, especially with baseball, because of the fact that like you go to a Sugarland Space Cowboys game and you know you could see some guys that the Astros might consider using or they've sent some guys down. That's I think that makes it even more interesting to me. The way the football would make sense is if they went back to kind of like their old days of NFL Europe where NFL teams had their own UFL team as their minor leagues to develop some talent, then at least as a fan of a certain team, if the Texans had a, had a like their G League team. So if the Texans had a UFL team where you could go, hey, I want to see so-and-so who's a sixth or seventh round pick, but a receiver that looks like it really go. I'd like to see how he's developing. How much EuroLeague football did you watch? Well, when they when there was but when there was, was during, pack, yeah, it was the same time, wasn't it? I don't no, think it so. No, it was in the summer. It was in the summer. Was, yeah, NFL Europe was in the summer, and then it ended right before teams went to training camp, so guys had a chance to to catch up. I feel like I wouldn't watch it live. I like, but like if if Kenyon Green was playing for the Texans minor league team, I would be intrigued to watch. That's like, what I mean. I think that's how of, that kind yeah. of league could make it or be more popular yeah. instead of trying to compete with the NFL, which they're never going to do. Kind of know who you are and just say, hey, if we became the minor leagues to the NFL and then maybe could use them as kind of a, a building block for marketing and other things, then I think you could make it. This guy, I would politely disagree with you on this awful minor league take. Look, 
The people that are in the minor leagues, I root for them. I have There's a lot of U of H Cougars that play minor league basketball. Whether it's G League, whether it's overseas, I root for them. I root for them. I want them to do well. I want them to get the call-up. I want them to make tons of money and set up their families forever. Same thing. Anybody who I know that's in this minor football league, I want them to have a really good success, work their way up, make tons of money, get to the top of their profession. Same like Astros prospects. I want them to all be really, really good and be great major league baseball players. It's not something that interests me. Minor league sports just does not interest me. I'd rather be doing other things than watching minor league sports. I tend to agree for the most part. Like I, I like going to games. Like, and like, even all of these things of like all the things to make them better, you're still not going to watch them. You're still not going to watch them. There's a reason why they're not on TV. You're going to watch a, like, like even the top prospects. You're going to watch their forward bats in a minute and a half highlight clip. I think that like going to a Space Cowboys game and seeing Eric Getty pitch or Jordan's rehabbing, and then while you're you know watching him to see how close he is and when he's ready to come back up, you can see like some of the other prospects and go, well, that kid may be able to help the Astros sooner rather than later. How many Space Cowboy games did you watch last year? Uh, did I go to live or did I watch? Period. Five. You watched five Space Cowboy mm-hmm. games. My family, my, my, my daughter loves you, going to them. You went to them? Yeah. Oh, okay. We live right by the stadium. See, I think going to the games is more of social. You know what well, I mean? I mean, the kids, obviously, there's a lot to do, and they love the atmosphere. I think it's fun to go. But I like being able to watch some of these guys to see the development, especially like the pitchers or some of the guys. I remember when Joe and I were talking about just some of the Leon. And going, man, when we, we saw him up close and personal, I was like, I didn't realize how small he was. And the Astros have been talking about him for years. But to see, could he really factor into the Astros' plans? I, I, that's the kind of thing that I like. I like that, too. I just don't go out of my way to watch it. I do it because my kids love it. That's different. Games. It's different with the kids. The kids are good. Uh, 713-780-ES. Do it for the kids. Uh, 713-780-3776. All right, let's get to the uh, the other part of this conversation. Minor League Baseball is not going to crack my top five. Minor League Sports are not going to crack my, my top five. They might crack yours, Blinkers. What are the top five things to do now that football is over? 713-780-3776. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.